Welcome to the Making a Marketer podcast, the show for all levels of experience with the best guests in the industry. Now, more than ever, it's important to keep up on the latest marketing trends and topics, and this is just the spot. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Now Marketing Group. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 83 of the Making a Marketer podcast. I'm Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing. This podcast is made possible by Powers of Marketing. We provide strategic communication, consulting, and execution for small to medium-sized businesses. My guest today is Dorothea. I'm going to say your whole name here in a second. It's a mouthful. Hi, Dorothea. How are you? I'm well, thank you. And I'm so happy to be a part of episode 83. Lucky 83. (laughs) I mean, you know, a number is just a number, but I like to say it at the beginning. So if anyone's never listened, then they know, hey, there's like a whole bunch of other content I can go back and listen to. Indeed. So, okay. So this woman has an incredible background and an incredible story. And there's a lot. So we only have a half hour. But I do want to say if you have any questions for her or myself, please go ahead and put them in the comments. And I am going to go ahead and bring it up on my Facebook because I'm not seeing the comments. Let's see. Okay. I I love live. I love live. It's fun. Hey, it is fantastic. God bless you. It's got its fair challenges. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, we're you. all we're good. We are good. Okay. So Dorothea Bozzi Colonna Volpe was born in New York City to French and Italian parents. Her father's passing caused her family to move to Europe, where she became somewhat of a nomad. She's lived in Italy, France, Germany, Spain. I'm sorry, Japan, Sweden, the Netherlands, and the UK. She's a strategic digital marketing executive who is fluent in four languages and specializes in developing business through digital influencer and social media marketing for the world's most memorable brands. She teaches marketers and business leaders how to increase value and develop strong relationships between brands and fans. There are four distinct areas of her business, e-commerce, employer and personal branding, enterprise, social networking, and marketing strategy. She's an avid skateboarder who tweets to relax. And if you look behind her, you will see those are skateboards on her wall behind her. (laughs) People are always amazed at someone my age still in that sport thinking, you're going to break your neck. I've never broken a bone. I have fallen Knock down. Wood. Yeah, Knock on wood. I, there's a reason why you don't see me wearing a lot of skirts and images. I'm always wearing something that covers my knees because they've been skinned up so so many times over the years. But I am, for the most part, fairly, what's the word I'm looking for? I try to be careful because I'm a CEO now. And Jen Cole is on with us. So yes. happy Tuesday to you, Jen Cole. Yes, she's my co-host. And yeah. I'm usually on the lives. She supports me in the chat. So she is here with us today. Thanks for being here, Jen. Well, I wanted to say hello and acknowledge her. She's adorable. Yes, of course. She's the best. Okay, let's get down to it. Okay, so you did a TED Talk, which in and of itself to me is incredible because I don't know if ever everyone knows, but it's hard to get. Even if it's a TEDx talk, TED Talks are, are hard to get into, but always so impactful. And that's why they are hard to get into because you have to have, you have, to have a good story and, and a special message. And so obviously I thought your TED Talk was amazing. And through that, learn you have a former life in law enforcement. So Why don't you tell our listeners and viewers how that played into your journey into marketing? 
That is a, a rather large question, and it's a good one. And thank you, by the way, for even taking the, I think it was 12 and a half minutes of your life to uh, watch my TED Talk. I'm really honored. <laughs> it was humbling. I will tell you, TED Talks are tough. Say that 16 times really fast. I've lost her. Uh, I guess I'm the only one live now, but maybe she's coming back. There I was is. just, okay. when my guest is speak, going to speak for a little bit just themselves, I'm like producing oh, it. So I'm putting you, right, on, okay, putting you so in the forefront. Go. I'm in the forefront. Oh my God, my my nose needs its own. <laughs> you don't have. So we like, can keep it like this. Oh it's my fine. nose! No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. When I sometimes it's so large it even scares me. I, I joke around and tell people that I can smell barbecue in Alabama, and I live in Georgia. <laughs> Who am I if I'm not cracking a joke? No, but the, the TED Talk was really, there was a combination of a lot of things, a lot of life events kind of all coming into one. And your question was a, a wise one. And, and, and those who are joining a little bit late, you know, she was kind enough, uh, Megan, to ask me about my journey from law enforcement strategy into social and marketing strategy. So I started to, when we were catching the bad guys online, and this is the dawn of time when dinosaurs roamed the earth and they used to call the internet the World Wide Web. So now I'm really aging myself, right? I started to really see the power that content, imagery, videos, how a thought or philosophy was conveyed could turn someone's mind. And what I mean by that is there were a great number of baddies, bad guys on the web, that were brainwashing people. Think about Al-Qaeda, Dehesh, ISIS, you know, recruiting people. There were drugs being sold on the black market and being able to track that. You know, I'm fascinated if you if you this is a very occurrent time because the FBI, as you know, created with a, a group of law enforcement municipalities around the world an app called Anon, meaning anonymous. And they caught a bunch of drug dealers and, you know, bad guys and human trafficking people in the last 24 hours, thanks to that. So that was my prior life in my 20s. I used to say to people that, you know, I liked every aspect of my job except for getting shot at and things blowing up around me. <laughs> I can't and imagine why. <laughs> that was that was a fun, you know, it's kind of, it's a very, people who get into law enforcement and, and it saddens me, you know, when I see a lot of things that, that are deleterious to the police because, you know, for the most part, they're good people. For the most part, law enforcement people are wonderful people and they really want to protect and serve. And there's a small percentage of people who are unkind. And it, it just saddens me because I come from that world. And so I started seeing this stuff online and I thought, well, goodness me, you know, if, if I can understand, you know, heuristically what they're doing, surely I could figure out a way to create a banner ad to get a housewife to download a coupon. And I say that kind of half jokingly, but you kind of know what the late 90s were. It was all Yahoo, AOL, clicking the banner ad so it would go away so you could actually get to the content that you wanted to read, whether it was your Hotmail account or Yahoo account. Raise right. your hand, by the way, if you're one of Megan's listeners and you have still have a Yahoo account. I do. Yeah, I know. I do. Sad, but true, right? So um, there's a lot of history in that email account. <laughs> exactly. And I don't want to get rid of mine either. I was talking to my niece, yeah. Leticia, about the same thing. It's like there are letters and things that I, people I communicated with who have long since passed on who, you know, I still have their correspondence in Yahoo. So I'm very grateful for that. But yeah, I started to see the power of the internet. And, you know, it's interesting that we're meeting today because you know whose birthday it is today? Tim Berners-Lee the godfather of the World Wide Web. Remember, this was ah. his, he was working in, in Switzerland in Bern, and it was part of his PhD project. And he created this great, cool messaging system that we now know today as the internet. So amazing. Sir yeah. Tim Berners-Lee, happy birthday. We should all toast it. <laughs> all I have is San Pellegrino because it's still office hours here. So yeah, thank you, Tim. So yeah, I figured, you know, it took some time. It wasn't overnight. It was little projects here and there, what Gary Vaynerchuk likes to refer to as a side hustle, right? I was doing side hustling and back then we called it moonlighting here and there for brands and then finally launched my company 
in 2004. Uh, we're 17 years old this year. You're at 83 episodes. I'm at 17 years, which means, you know, I can drink, but I can't really drink and drive. You know, I can still get in a few accidents, <laughs> bump into things, you know. <laughs> still have to call my parents to get into some movies. So there's that. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my story. I'm sticking to it, All right. as they say. Okay, so switching gears a little bit. So, I mean, I will have a link to your TED Talk um, in the show notes. So for anyone who's listening or, or watching, you'll be able to access that. You lost your partner to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and that changed your life, and obviously, but in a few different ways. What would you say are the biggest impacts that that had on your career? I think, and thank you for acknowledging that, and you're very kind. I think that it caused me to get out of my bubble. You know, we've all been kind of in a bubble lately, and I've been thinking about this, you know, meditating on the fact that sometimes it takes something like a pandemic for people to reconnect and heal and, you know, converse and recommunicate. There are several things. If I had to boil it down to just a few, one would be I was very used to a certain way of life. I mean, a lot of the people that are, are watching this, probably if they have a partner or a wife or husband, or what have you, you, you get used to certain things. And sometimes in this case, I moved here to Atlanta for him. My entire safety net and, and friend group, my whole community, this is offline, were his friends, were his family. I didn't have anyone here. And one of the things I think that it taught me to do was to get out of my bubble, to get out of my shell and, and really reconnect with people that I thought that, that I loved and respected, you know, that I that I just wanted to spend time with because their energy was a good energy and it was the right thing for me. Uh, it happened when I was young, as you will see in the TED Talk, and you probably warn your audiences here that it is something that you do want to maybe carry some some tissue to, some some Kleenex to, because it's a little difficult to watch in parts. But I really had to reinvent myself in a way, you know? A lot of the doors were closed to me because here I had this sort of role in law enforcement and just was traveling all over the place. And when I had time with him, I was just with him. And then I had to reinvent, you know, who I was socially. And if you think about it, there were no, there was no Facebook in 1999. There was no, you know, you had AOL and I had electronic bulletin boards that I was very, you know, Yahoo, I was very active on for my work but not so much for my personal life. And I think I really took to gaming. I was on World of Warcraft for a lot, a long time. It's a great way to gain weight, by the way, just sitting and gaming and eating in your <laughs> morning. I strongly do not recommend it. But when all these doors were sort of closing in on me, I, I learned that I had to create my own, you know? I had to create my own door that I could walk through and that I could create my own new life. And I think that's really when I, I started to understand the power of personal branding because you know, I went through this not so great situation, which, by the way, I wouldn't wish on anyone. But I had this interesting community that I had built around myself through work, people who were criminologists and PhDs all around the world, that we would communicate through these electronic bulletin boards, closed networks that were governmentally related. And that all important thing in the 90s that when I mention it to kids today, Gen Z and Gen A mainly, the fax machine. Remember the fax machine? How you'd like to get information and everybody would get excited. We're getting a fax. Oh my God. And had that curly <laughs> cute paper. And then after six or seven months, all the, you know, the print, uh, the heat on the heated paper would just, you know, disappear. Great for law enforcement, not really great for relationships. But anyway, you know, these were the ways we were communicating. You had beepers, you had that, you had, you know, dare I say it, brick phones. And, and remember when the car phone, again, I made you myself, the phone would actually sit in a saddle, you know, in your vehicle and you would pick the phone yeah. up. So, so yeah, I think that the thing that I got taught the most is that 
sometimes you have to create your own opportunities, rebuild your brand. And I was very fortunate because I, I had already built this community of people who very, I'm very grateful for the fact that they, they were cheering me on, you know, every time I would have an issue, an issue or in dealing with, you know, my morning, I could get on an electronic bulletin board. I could be a part of a game, you know, where you're, especially in World of Warcraft, where you're building a whole guild, you're building a whole community around your character. So, you know, gaming saved me. I strongly recommend gaming in general, but just not the way that I did it. Right. Of course. So you essentially ended up reinventing yourself professionally, right? So can you talk to us about how that worked? I started putting out content. You know, we all, we're always told, you know, content is king. I'm going to add something to that. Content is actually queen. Relevancy is king. The content that I would put out was about things that I was interested in, things that I was seeing in this new media landscape. They weren't calling it social media yet. And I talked about, you know, things like the social object, how people from all over the world, and I was seeing this because my community was a very, it was a global one from Japan, you know, from Tokyo, Japan to Mumbai, you know, and every place in between. And, and what I found was that people would connect over content that was relevant to them, that they were passionate about. So even if my little opinion or, or my comment was just, hey, this is just my two pesos, right? These are my two cents. That's all I want to talk about. It was interesting to see other people. And this was really at the age uh, where you could get to know someone and it, they didn't have like, you know, five assistants for you to get through to try to have a conversation with them. They were just opening up themselves online. And it was through that authenticity I know that's a word that gets that gets parried about a lot, but it was true though. Back then, it really was these authentic interchanges. You can share things like losing a partner or people planning, you know, a holiday to Italy, and they might ask me questions about what's the best town to go to in August that's not as touristical and things of that nature. You know, you you were there to lend a helping hand, but what made it cooler is that you were doing it virtually. So back then, you couldn't see. You know, you're a very attractive woman, Megan. You couldn't see how attractive a person was or how, you know, uh, they might dress or that they might be into skateboarding, right? You just couldn't see any of that. And I feel that, you know, that also caused a level of, it sounds strange to say this because now we're dealing in the world of clubhouse and Twitter rooms and that kind of thing, you know, spaces, excuse me, Twitter spaces, where social audio is really starting to take over. That's what we were doing in the 90s. You know, we didn't see what one another looked like. We're just having authentic conversations. Sometimes we would do it visually. And if you remember dial-up, you could use a headset and actually talk through voiceover the VOIP, you know, the dawn of Skype and, and other, you know, mechanisms prior to Skype. I just found that fascinating. It, to me, it was really interesting, Megan, that you'd be talking to somebody for six or seven months. I'll never forget this guy named Stephen who worked for IBM. Very smart guy. He helped launch the Vodafone deal in, in Africa. And I found, I found that to be that this thing that he was working on was so fascinating. And from a crime stopping perspective, the company I was working for was engaging with he and the IBM team because we were looking at tracking systems that could sit on a mobile phone. Crazy, I know, but true, right? How things are getting pinged and so on and so forth. Because again, we wanted to catch the bad guys. I remember talking to him forever. And, and you know, how I had a vision of him that he looked like Paul Newman. I was so excited because he had this voice <laughs> and, you know, he was in Bath, England and he had this beautiful kind of professorial way of, 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 of sounding on the phone, these deep resonating Shakespearean tones to his voice. And I just had this whole picture that he was going to be like, you know, Paul Newman-esque, but he talked like Christopher Hitchens. He was so bright. And I finally got on a call with Stephen and I'll never forget, he was a bald guy yeah. with brown hair, like me, just simple looking and just, you know, and I, I just thought to myself, oh, okay, so that's not really the person that I imagined 
but he's still attractive and lovely in his own way. I was just, you know, the things that you do when you hear someone's voice, you kind of conjure up. I'm sure, you know, back in the early days when I would talk to people, like, oh, I bet she's blonde and she's just an English rose. And they don't realize that I learned English from English nuns, English speaking nuns and nuns from South Africa. So I have a bit of an accent, but che par italiano e francese as well. So, you know, it's just funny to me. I look very Italian, but I'm told I sound very continental. But anyway, you, you know, do. social audience. So some of your words, I'm like, wait, that totally sounded American. And then yeah. everything else sounds British. And then there, you'll throw yeah. something. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> you are. It's, it's awesome. I'm an amalgamation of every place I've ever lived yeah. and anybody who's ever mentored or taught me. And I always tell people that. And I, I'm grateful for it. I don't have a problem with it. But I think that social audio, it sounds crazy when I say this, but please understand where I came from. The dawn of the World Wide Web. So now it's sort of, I feel like, come full circle. And this whole idea behind, you know, podcasting, uh, which it, it's not anything new. They've been, they did it in the early 2000s. I remember when Chris Brogan had his first podcast and, and uh, Aaron Strout and, and Jen Fighter from CNET. And I would love to listen to their podcast. I met a ton of people that way back in the early days of what we now call social media. And back then they called it new media. But I just find it fascinating that here social audio has made a, a complete, you know, thanks to Clubhouse and others, has made a complete swing in the other direction. Yeah, it's like a conference call on steroids is what I have been That's calling it. That's a great it. way to put it. That's a great way to put it. No, I, I think you totally get it, Megan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So you were putting out content and then you just started to just meet people and, and get clients, right? So you were became a marketing strategist. Obviously, you've worked for some of the major brands and celebrities, Coca-Cola, L'Oreal, Ryan Seacrest, Georgia Pacific, the Weather Channel. We have a friend associated with the Weather Channel. Tell us a little bit about that and that experience and kind of what, if you have a specific, I know we talked about a specific client that you wanted to tell that story about. So I don't know if you ended up getting permission or. Yeah, uh, what I can say is that these clients really came to me through these new media channels. You know, being an early adopter of LinkedIn obviously helped. But I will also say, you know, my journey was not something, I'm not an overnight success. You know, people always see, you know, somebody like a Christina Aguilera and they think, oh, she's an overnight success. You know, she was singing for years before she was given a showcase in front of major record labels. And her, her, it was really working for some really great clients who also mentored me, you know, who said, okay, so you're going to apply this framework of sociotechnography on our brand and we make sparkling drinks. So this is how we do it here, right? And then it was great because they had agencies of record that I had the opportunity to, you know, to interact with on a daily basis in some cases for some projects. And a lot of it was just, uh, dare I say it, what we learned when we were kids, you have two eyes, two ears, and one mouth, use them accordingly, just shutting up and listening and learning. So at the beginning of my business was a lot of, yeah, I'm an ideas person and yeah, I'm into strategy, but I have to really sit and listen and understand, you know, the journey of that specific brand and also what they're trying to achieve and then take that goal that they have, right? that goal and sort of map a roadmap back to where we're standing at that very moment. I had the opportunity in 2010 to speak at a conference. So this was another way that I got business. And I think I still do to some degree when we all start back, go back and, and start speaking beyond virtually, right? I also think that there's something to be said about, you know, not to be deleterious to, to video uh, conferencing because it works, you know, it's what we have. I, I do long for the days where we can actually be in a room with someone and feel their energy. I was actually talking to somebody about that yesterday, a really cool lady who runs her own social and influencer agency in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And 
what I'll say is I had a chance to speak about social visual communication, a term, by the way, that I didn't come up with. A woman named Toby Bloomberg did in an, an American Marketing Association event, and I asked her if I could use it because I really wanted to talk in 2010, remember this is 11 years ago, about this thing called Instagram and this other th- the other platform called Pinterest. And I was sharing with brands that, you know, if you think back 11 years ago, Megan, remember the infographic? Like that was the mm-hmm. year. Everything was about the infographic, explaining to you how to, you know, open up your new Apple iPhone or, or you know, how to deal with headache pain if you were Bayer or how many people you know, uh, in a certain, you know, geographic or demographic area, you know, where Republican and conservative versus Democrat and liberal infographics were utilized to really describe a lot of things. And I basically said, you know, uh, I remember getting on stage, and it was a keynote. And I said something along the lines, I'm, be mindful, they're all people like you. They're all chief marketing officers. They're all SVPs of brand. They're all brand executives. And it's about 2000 or so people. I remember it was the Palace Hotel in San Francisco, California. And I'll never forget, it was the first ever social media data and analytics conference. And that's how it was built. And I came out and I says, okay, so how many of you have downloaded a case study and read it from beginning to end? Raise your hand. And I think I said in the last month, no hands went up. And then I said, how many of you have read an infographic or watched a video on YouTube to learn something new or to learn a do-it-yourself project? Raise your hand. Every hand went up. And at the very end of my talk, you know, when I was showing them that, hey, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words, you know, so said Arthur Brisbane, the famous, that, by the way, that's, that is his quote. He's a famous newspaper owner and editor in New Zealand and Australia. I said, you know, a video, an infographic could be worth a million dollars to your business. And then that's when I got calls from Capital One and they became a client and then L'Oreal. And what I'll say is that it was really interesting because I never thought my life would come full circle. I had the opportunity at L'Oreal to work on a skin cancer prevention IoT product. And, you know, had that existed when George was alive, the melanoma that he had that was on his lymph node, we could have, you know, maybe in some way, shape or form deterred him from getting the second cancer. I always tell people it's kind of come full circle in that regard as well, because being able to be a part of a team to not only create a brand, but a product and also be able to say, hey, I I help, you know, this brand and this team market that to help people to prevent people from getting skin cancer. That was a lot for me. It was great. It it was literally like, dare I say it, living my mission, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Can you share how it got delivered? Yeah. You mean delivered in general or? The Coachella. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I had this idea. Would it be great to drop this specific patch and uh, uh, just a little sample of the one brand's SPF using drones? And this was before the FAA was really heavily regulating drones. Drones were just sort of like something that hobbyists would do, like flying electric planes, you know, just kind of flying around a model plane or what have you. And I came up with this idea that wouldn't it be really cool to, in some way, shape or form, drop it in a place where people would be concerned about the sun. They'd be concerned about sun damage and skin cancer. The information, it was a little card, could, could tell you how to download the app. And uh, amazingly so, two very important people at Coachella that year decided to wear the patch and put it on their Instagram, Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan. So that's kind of all she wrote. But that's what I'm known for. I'm known for ideas, right? I always tell people I'm going to change the, the acronym, you know, like the little tagline of social espionage. I create money where it didn't exist previously, you know, 
or something like that. And it just came to me because I keep thinking of these outdoor events, middle of nowhere. You know, I would have loved to have done something like that. Oh, that big event that happens out in the desert. Why is the name of it escaping me? Burning Man. It would have been great to do it at Burning Man, but as you know, one of the the things about Burning Man is it's all about sustainability and you don't want to have, you know, postcards and the refuse of, of little packets that, you know, that are holding SPF or things of that nature or samples of anything. You don't want that. That, that wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been on brand for Burning Man, but it was specifically for an outdoor concert, you know? Right. And I do believe that they replicated that idea at another festival somewhere, in, I think in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and I can't remember the name of that one. You'll have to forgive me. It's been years now. But it, yeah, it's no, cool. Right. You know, it's cool when you, yeah. to me, the most romantic thing, and I said this in my TED Talk, in being an entrepreneur is having an idea creating an idea and then watching it come to fruition. You know, it's probably the closest thing I'll come. I hope Leticia's not watching this, my niece, to raising a child, like to having a baby, you know, and and, and watching it grow, you know. God, it's got to be amazing to be a parent, you know. But I just yeah, think awesome. it, it, it to me, you know, and I, and I use that because you're giving birth to something that you're putting out into the universe and the entire world is going to judge you. I mean, when was the last time, you know, you went out with your kid and then, you know, to a birthday party or what have you? I know this is, I'm talking pre-COVID times, but we'll be getting back to that soon. I'm sure that, you know, and you, you want to make sure that your son or daughter is on their best behavior and that they're acting right in public. You know, you think, oh God, I'm being judged and that kind of thing. And um, I just find it really interesting, you know. That innovation, Jen has is comparing uh, you to Duncan Wardle. So I don't know if you know who he is, but he's. Uh, oh, I mentioned him to you the other day. Yeah, he. You do, used, but you know, um, you should tell the audiences yeah. because some people who are going to be watching this only know me, right? They don't know. Yeah, well. He's been a guest on the show, so the listeners of the show know, know Duncan. And actually, yeah, yeah in uh, marketing circles, I think uh, he used to be the head of innovation and creativity for Disney. So we are we are coming close to, we're actually at time. We'll go over a little bit. I have one more question for you, and then I'm going to ask you for your book recommendations. Welcome sure. to those of you who are watching us live. If you're listening on the replay, watching on the replay or listening on the podcast, thank you so much. My final question for you is a big one. <laughs> what do you think the world of marketing is headed What's next? Wow. I think we're very inundated right now. I think that that's one thing that that came out of, you know, these last couple of years. Predominantly, you know, I feel driven by, by COVID. You had a lot of news coming at you. You had a lot of political messaging and uncertainty in the marketplace which I think caused a lot of people anxiety. If it's okay, I'd like to use Naomi Osaka as an example. So here Naomi, you know, really brought to light the idea that athletes aren't just the skill that they have on the court or as an Olympian, you know, they are also human beings and their mental health counts. I think what we're going to see is really a rise of conscious marketing. We saw it already with Black Lives Matter last year, if you remember correctly, Brands were actually tripping over themselves to show how much they embrace communities of color. Procter & Gamble had some really cool ads. I remember Unilever doing something for Dove. How cool is it that now, for the first time since I've been in marketing, right, 17 years, I'm starting to see ads that reflect my friends. Every shade, you know. I'm a global gal, you know, to coin a phrase. So I have friends in just about every hemisphere. It's really nice to to watch an ad where I see a woman who's shaped like me and doesn't, you know, look like a teenager dressed up as an adult woman, which was very popular for a very long time in advertising, if you remember correctly. And I feel that a lot of women were misrepresented. To me, I think it's great. And, I, and I'd like to see it continue. So when you ask, what do I, do I think is that the next 
sort of iteration or uh, evolution of marketing, I think that you're going to see more brands taking on causes. You already see large brands like L'Oreal has their own foundation. You see a lot of celebrities have their own foundations that give to what, what they consider their, their sort of pet projects. In some cases, it has to do with, you know, children's hospitals. In other cases, it might be childhood cancer. Or in the case of, you know, some brands, it might be a different type of adult cancer or, or just literacy. So if anything came out of the last couple of years between you know, the protest movement, which I hope it continues, right, to, you know, what happened during, you know, COVID. And by the way, we're still in a pandemic. We haven't gotten out of it yet. Let me reiterate that to, to, to your yeah. audience, because right. I think there are brands who are still kind of struggling with, you know, bless them, how they're bringing their their employees back. You know, Facebook got dinged in the in the news recently because they want everybody to come back on campus. A lot of brands are now kind of reconsidering, you know, that hybrid model, if anything comes out of this, and I, and I really hope this is the evolution, is that we become more human. We become more human, more empathetic. There you go. There's yeah, wouldn't condition. that be lovely? That, yeah, that more would empathetic be, that toward would be the customer, more yeah. empathetic toward the employee, more human in general. If that's all, because I think the word authenticity is kind of overused, you know. But yeah, I'm happy to take any questions that you have. I know we've, we've run over by a couple of minutes. So far, I don't have any questions from the audience. Jen does love your story. Um, oh, thank I you, Jen. <laughs> we, we like to ask our guests if they have any business book recommendations. And I know you have two, maybe three. Um, yes, I do. I want to start with Tim Ash's book, Unleash Your Primal Brain. It's a really cool book. Uh, it's... Um, really kind of gets at sort of why we do what we do, you know, as humans. And, and it links arche archaeologically back to, you know, who we were uh, as primates. Mark Schaefer, it's a bit of an older book. He's got a new book out called Cumulative Advantage. But I'm a huge fan of his book, Marketing Rebellion. If you go to my, my Facebook, there's probably a picture of me or two with this book. It's great. One of the things he's I been think on the show. He's also been he, on the uh, show. He's, yeah. he's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He really, in, in that book, tackles you know, the human side of brands, talking about that and emoting. And then finally, of course, I've had to save the best for last. And I'm, I'm hoping that I can get these two to come and join you one day for, uh, you know, the making a marketer and the powers of marketing. And that is Alexandra Jameson and Bob Gower. Um, they do a really good job in radical alignment. What, what they do really is they kind of take the best ways that you can possibly and help you understand the best ways to possibly communicate both in a business atmosphere as well as in your personal life. So think of this as sort of a playbook for both your professional and personal life. And I think I'm reading it again for the second time, how to have game-changing conversations that will transform your business and your life. And their framework is really unique because both of them come at it from very interesting business backgrounds. And the funny thing is that they're a couple, they're married now. And Alex has been a friend and now client for awesome. several years and she's just lovely. So yeah, they got a bonus today. They didn't get just one, they got three from me. But all, <laughs> all, book, awesome. all of them are good. All of them are good and yes. I strongly recommend them. Yeah, so again, you know, Fantastic. It, it, this has been an absolute honor for me. So thank you. I cannot thank you enough. Absolutely. But thank you so much for, for coming on. Your story is super interesting. And we know you have many more a brand to help, I'm sure, in your future. I want to thank everyone for watching, for listening. Thank you, Jen, for being in the chat. And those of you who watch on the replay, thank you so much. All right, friends, we have one more episode. Chapman. Melissa Majors, she's on 
our final episode of season four, and she's incredible. She talks about using inclusion as a business advantage, and she has a new book out. And so I cannot wait for our listeners to get to know her. She's such a gem. So thank you, Dorothea. Thank you. I'm taking a quick image of the two of us so that I can post it and explain to my audiences how much fun I had this afternoon. Yay! All right, friends. Thanks so much for listening to episode 83 of Making a Marketer, and we will catch you next time. Ciao for now.